Father in heaven, we're thankful that it's really your testimony that fuels our testimony. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, by your testimony, by your blood, by what you have done, by your cross, by your claiming even your blood at this time for us in that heavenly sanctuary. That's, that's your testimony. And our testimony is to point to yours. So today we ask that your spirit would be with us to that end. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. I'm going to put some logs on my computer. All right. Uh, I decided to just share a little testimony today about the work that I've been involved in. And, and uh, we'll then look at Luke chapter 10, uh, which is the basis of a familiar piece of artwork on the Loma Linda campus. And... Uh, I guess it's been 10 years that I've been ministering at this location in Weimar, first with uh, amazing facts, uh, and then moving over to Weimar Institute. So the last decade of, of, of our lives has been spent here. And um, our, our institute... Um, I guess tagline or mission is summarized from Matthew 9.35 where it says Jesus went about teaching, preaching, healing the gospel of the, kingdom and of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And then coming out of that little line to heal a hurting world. And, you know, since that time, we, this, the college was restarted in... 2008, and I actually was serving as the first dean. Now, that's not something to laugh about, but I was. And uh, all of the different programs began to be restarted there, natural science, nursing, business, theology, education, psychology, and then some certificate programs. And it uh, became clear that when you get to the college age, people don't want to invest in something they don't think has a uh, credibility, and that means for people accreditation. And so over that, this last uh, 10 years, there's been steps made there towards that, and the Institute has achieved candidacy status, and its institute, institutional student learning outcomes have been clearly identified, and everybody on the campus knows what they are. And, uh, and it looks like that candidacy status has a a strong chance of, of changing to accreditation here very shortly. And uh, the recommending team that came to our campus is, has, has scrutinized our program and said, we are recommending you to the people that make the decision for accreditation. That's quite, a, that's quite an amazing thing, but it actually is very concerning to me because I've seen many institutions that are accredited kind of lose their focus. And uh, our focus there at Weimar has been to reach around the world with a global focus with the New Star program. And we have a large data set that uh, is being called again for various scientific studies. But the thing that excites me is that 
we have had some amazing spiritual results as we've had a new chaplain in that program. And this past year, there were uh, 50 commitments to Christ in his church. Um, and then the Depression Recovery Program is another program that, uh, that I have the uh, joy of serving with. The New Star Program runs 12 times a year on the campus. The Depression Recovery Program runs five times. And in those five times, we're seeing amazing clinical results and uh, research that's coming, but also spiritual results. And about 50 to 70% of people that attend that, that, that attend that program make decisions for Christ in his church. And uh, then, then there was something that really troubled me when I arrived, and that was when I started to go door to door, I realized that people in the community didn't even know <laughs> what Weimar was. It was like right across the street. And like, I said, hi. And they said, well, what do you guys do over there? And I was like, this is not good. You know? So, you know, um, so we decided to hold some free clinics that were kind of the precursors to, to a number of other clinics, but we held a number of free clinics on our campus, and the people so appreciated that that the Lord, Lord saw fit to bring a team to actually open a clinic, a medical clinic, and also a dental clinic. And now there's 20,000, it's probably more than that now, but 20,000 visits a year. And people in the community are coming um, to the clinic and they just love the physicians and the staff. They said, where else can we go that people will pray with us? And uh, of course, none of these things matter unless you're working together with a local congregation. So we also started a church there two years ago. And there's growing attendance um, not only from our own staff and students, but from the community. One of our, our concerns was that heading down this direction, would we keep the main thing the main thing? Would we be involved in personal witness? Would we be serving in the community? Or were we even serving in the community? And uh, we were serving in urban centers with the Pathway to Health with most of our staff heading up various departments, Dr. Randy Bivens heading up radiology at those events, and Dr. Neil Nedley um, heading up mental health, and Dr. Roger Gallant heading up the triage, and I can't remember the others. Um, oh, our chaplain helping head up the um, chaplaincy service. But we wanted to say, well, what are we doing not just around the world, but what about across the street? What's happening across the street? And that's where we started to talk about something called total community involvement. Also, our commitment was to receive no government funding, have a no-debt policy for our students, and um, look for students that desire to, to plow into God's word and to fulfill Matthew 28. But our concern was that, and is, and we constantly are trying to maintain this vigilance, that we not have something happen to us that's happened to many schools. For instance, Harvard University, Veritas Christo et Ecclesia was the original motto, truth for Christ and his church. The reason people went to that school was to discover truth to be used for Christ and in his church. But now they dropped a, a significant portion of this seal and they just say truth. And truth that is not really founded on the word 
but on social science and whatever happens to be coming up. And this drift is a real, a real problem. And so we begin praying, you know, we don't want that to happen with our, our vision. You know, there's a danger that we can lose sight of our mission. Jesus was not satisfied to attract attention to himself merely as a wonder worker or as a healer of physical disease. Merely. Merely as a wonderful wonder worker of healer of diseases. He was seeking to draw men to him as their savior. While the people were eager to believe that he had come as a king to establish an earthly reign, he desired to turn their minds from the earthly to the spiritual. Mere worldly success would interfere with his work. Have we had mere worldly success in our pursuits? Um, do we try and separate what we do in the world from what we do for the Lord? So a story that illustrates this is, of course, Luke 10, 25 through 40. And I just want to remind you of some of the contours of that by reading it with you. And you can read it with me so that I know that you are alive and remain. Let's read it together. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he... Wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Notice, it's an interesting thing. This uh, lawyer wanted to do what? Justify himself. <laughs> How many think that this is not possible? There's only one person who can justify you. Amen. So the root of the lawyer's problem and what led him away from service, we're going to find, is the fact that he didn't understand. In fact, he actually denied that Christ was the one that could justify him. He sought to justify himself in his course of things. Let's read on. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will come again, I will repay you. And so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. 
Do you notice how involved that priest was, the, the Samaritan was? He saw him. He had compassion on him. He went to him. He used his own animal. He took his own money. He said, I will come again. This is sacrificial service in light of the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, not just the word, but the actions. They did not love their lives to the death. I, I don't know I'm going to pay for things. I don't know where I'm going to get my denarii. I don't know this or that. No, that's all dead. Because of what they knew, or what we know Christ has done for us, at least it has to be the motive. So, only by accepting the virtue and grace of Christ can we keep the law. Only by that can we be justified, so to speak, right? Christ becomes our righteousness, and we have belief in the propitiation for sin. It enables fallen men to do some amazing things. Notice this. To love God with his whole heart. How many of you want to love God with your whole heart? And his neighbor as himself. So it's only this understanding of Christ and a belief in the propitiation for sin that enables us to love God or man. The priest and the Levite both professed piety, but the Samaritan showed that he was truly converted. How many of you want to be truly converted? This is a foundation for service, isn't it? It was no more agreeable for him to do the work than for the priest or Levite, but in spirit and works he proved himself to be in harmony with God. Now here is probably the most telling point, I think, from the story. The priest and the Levite felt that having been thus honored, it was beneath them to minister to an unknown sufferer by the wayside. Thus they neglected the special opportunity which God had offered them as his agents to bless a fellow being. So, could we get so much education, so much position, that we actually only will do ministry in context that we think we need to be in? Oh, I can only be in the church. I have to have a pulpit. I have to have a, I have to have a plastic uh, podium. And I have to have a, 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 you know, a wraparound mic. And that's where I minister. Oh, no, no, no. I have to be in a surgery suite. Uh, I have to be um, in the cathedral of, of the hospital to minister. Oh, they have to be in my dental chair. That's when I take time to be holy. All right. But notice this. This is the problem. Many today are making a similar mistake they separate their duties into two distinct classes. The one class is made up of great things to be regulated by the law of God. And the other class is made up of so-called little things in which the command, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, is ignored. So a separation between, wait a minute, <laughs> the great things I'm doing in life, and then, well, maybe I'll help my neighbor. This spirit of work is left to caprice, Subject to inclination or impulse. Oh yeah, I see these mission trips. I'm going to decide which one I'm going to go on. It'll be with my timing, with my resources, and it'll benefit me. I'll be a capricious person. Yes, I'll have photos on my wall from when I went to uh, Costa Rica. I won't show the ones where I'm at the beast most of the time. But 
I'm not saying that any of you have ever been involved in this. But this separation, caprice, subject to inclination or impulse, what's caprice mean? A sudden, unaccountable change in mood or behavior. Inclination, a person's natural tendency to urge or act in a particular way. It's not supernatural, it's just a natural, carnal inclination, impulse. A sudden, strong, unreflective urge or desire to act, a tendency to act impulsively. He was a man of impulse, not premeditation. In other words, serving the neighbor is something that's done only when I want to do that, only on my terms. Whereas the other, I really, really guard that. Even in seeking and preparation for God's service, many are turned aside by wrong methods of education. Maybe the problem started with us as we went to school. Life is too generally regarded as made up of distinct periods, the period of learning, the period of doing, of preparation and achievement. In preparation for a life of service, the youth are sent to school to acquire knowledge by the study of books, and this is the kiss of death to their service from then on. Because their books overload them, there are no shared values with the professors or the institution with service. So consequently, they overload them. The only time that they ever take a break, if they even do that, is on the Sabbath, but then they have to head back to study, and this is why we have such a large crowd today. Amen? Cut off from the responsibilities of everyday life, they become absorbed in study and often lose sight of the purpose. They take out great loans so that they can only focus on one thing because they don't have time to even work or serve. And when they get through, will they ever remember service? No, they often don't. Four years of academy, four years of college, four years of medical school, four years of residency. Two years of another subspecialty. And always the service, at least the temptation, is to not be involved. Unless it be capriciously, impulsively, a two-week mission trip here or there. <clears throat> but what's the unspoken lesson? There are two distinct things in my life. One is more important than the other. So these things really convicted me personally. What if we're following the guiding principles we've given? And I came across four guiding quotes that convicted me that I had been <clears throat> guilty of being the priest in the story, the Levite in the story. Here were the guiding quotes. There's a grand work to be done in relieving suffering humanity. And through the labors of students who are receiving an education and training to become efficient medical missionaries, the people living in many cities may become acquainted with the truths for the third angel's message. Consecrated leaders and teachers of experience should go out with these young workers, at first giving them instruction how to labor, thus opportunity be found for conversation, for explaining the scriptures, for singing Bible songs and praying with the family. There are many to whom such labor as this would prove a blessing. Daphne spoke of how wonderful this was the other night when she was able to do that, when she found a physician that did that with her. But then she said something interesting. But HIPAA would not allow us to do this today. I just don't know if that's true, but if it is, that would be a tragedy. Maybe we should so operate ourselves that people invite us to their homes. 
And maybe that would get over the hiccup of HIPAA. So that was number one. Number two, it is necessary to their complete education. What kind of education? That students be given time to do missionary work. Time to become acquainted with the spiritual needs of the families in the community around them. This is not some kind of, okay, I'm going to jet off to Africa for two weeks and remove goiters or whatever. It is, I am going to be involved in the needs of the community where I am. They should not be so loaded down with studies they have no time to use the knowledge they've acquired. They should be encouraged to make earnest missionary effort for those in error, becoming acquainted with them and taking to them the truth. Now this can be done in medical school. It can be. But it re requires great faith. I know the Dr. Philip Mills, who I worked with for 13 and a half years, he told me about when he was in medical school, and he, read a, he led a branch Sabbath school. He did things in the community as he was going to school. Not after. Whenever possible, students should, during the school year, engage in city mission work. They should do missionary work in the surrounding towns and villages. They can form themselves into bands to do Christian help where students should take a broad view of their present obligations to God. Why is this so important? If you don't do it presently, then you've prioritized. You have made an idol of your academics. And it'll be very hard to get away from that idol. Because there's always something else that demands more attention than my neighbor. Now look, I talk to you as a fellow journeyer. I work at Weimar Institute. I know you hear the angels singing. But they might be the fallen angels because between my house and Weimar Institute, which is only a scant one mile, I knew none of my neighbors, really. None of them. I would go to the Institute and back when I read these quotes, I was like, what in the world am I doing? This is craziness. Here I am proclaiming to proclaim when I'm not <laughs> doing, I'm not following the council. They are not to look forward, look at this, this is powerful, to, to a time after the school term closes when they can do some large work for God, but they should study how during their student like to yoke up with Christ in unsurfaced service, service for others. And then the next quote, the teachers and students in our service need the divine touch. God can do much more for them than he has done because in the past his way has been restricted. Restricted by what? Their priorities. Not his priority. If a missionary spirit is encouraged, even if it takes some hours from the program of regular study, much, much of what? Heaven's blessing will be given, provided there is more faith and spiritual zeal and more of a realization of what God will do. Remember that guy? He sought to justify himself by his own works and his own way. So these four quotes really, they really kind of worked on me and us there. And I said, you know, what, what, what if we did this? What if we, we took a day and we went out into the community? What if all the faculty and all the students went together every week? Not, 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 not just during spring break. What about every week? What if we got to know 
the people in the neighborhood? What if teachers and students went together? What if we, we amended our schedule? There were robust, vigorous, somewhat Christ-like discussions. Somewhat Christ-like discussions that ensued. It was a great controversy in a small school. Well, I'm, uh, I have my PhD. I spent years. Uh, I need to be grading papers at that time. What? What kind of a paper mache tiger is that? Well, you're, you're a minister. You, uh, you should be thinking those things, but that's your specialty, not mine. What? So we decided to move forward. We spoke with some folks who spoke with some folks, and then Elder Wilson heard about this. There's 8,200 educational systems or schools in the, in the Adventist church, and out of all those schools, he decided, well, I'd like to come and help you kick off this program. Not total member involvement, but total campus involvement for total community involvement. And so he came, and <clears throat> we, we didn't know what would happen, really. <clears throat> And came and kicked it off. He even gave us a check <clears throat> for some special funds, $25,000, to say, look, we appreciate that you're going to do this. And you know what? I was really happy about that. You know why I was so happy? Because <laughs> now we had to do it. Can you say amen? <laughs> That's why I'm laughing right there. I'm like, yes, kick it up to 35. Now, I might also mention to you that when this vision was cast, when the Lord gave this vision to us, my uh, president of my institution, I won't name him, but he is in a picture there, and he's not Elder Wilson. He came to me and he said, this is a great vision, Don, and I can see, and this is the spirit of prophecy and all this, but, you know, we're going to need like $150,000 to cover the cost of this. And you need to raise that. And I was like, I'm talking about this this weekend. And he goes, well, that, then you need to raise that. And I was like, well, I'll just send some emails to some of our donors. No, don't send emails to any of our donors. This needs to be people that are not already donating because we're, 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 we're dependent. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a God thing. And I don't remember how many emails I sent, but I know this. Members of Amen community not only raised that money, but more. They read those quotes, and the Amen community said, that's noble, we believe in that. And not only did the 100 and, I think he told me 120 that I had to raise, but it was like 160 that came in. So everything you're seeing here is a reflection of the conviction of some Amen members that said, we want you to try that, see what happens. And so we started out humbly, total community involvement. The students divided the territories up. These are the territories we work in. And there's different teams in each territory. And they go to learn the spiritual condition. And the faculty and students go together in vans and cars every Wednesday <clears throat> beginning, <clears throat> beginning at 2 o'clock and then coming back all of us go together <clears throat> here's Dr. Nedley 
working with a community program with his team. Here's Dr. Bivens working with his team in a cooking school. The C, the president, the CEO, everybody going out. There's a synergy that develops between the students and the staff. We're serving together in the community. And the kids that are involved are happy. Some of them because of the work they're doing, some of them because they're going to get married. <laughs> and those of you who see this picture, you know what I'm talking about. I won't name any names. But wonderfully things happen when you're out serving. And then to come back and just listen to the stories and the testimonies and what's happening and every Wednesday night just to hear what's happening from this team and that team and what God did. And that first year we just were serving, you know, what do you need done? Now, you know, just to share like maybe a little bit of my team, as I know the most about it, it's right next to the Institute. And a lot of these people, they, they thought either the Institute was, you know, kind of weird. And then they met us and they knew they were weird. But we literally walked across the street the first day. And I remember walking across the street to the very first house, the closest house to the Institute on that, on that road. The closest. And I walk up there and I'm nervous because it's, you know, I want this to be successful <laughs> because I still am a human and I, I want to be successful, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So, you know, that's a problem too. That's another amen conference. But anyway, I go to there and I, I talk to these people and I go, what approach am I going to take? What do I say to someone I've never said anything to and I should have been saying something to for a long time? You know, like, so I go to the, the guy's house and I say, you know, I, I'm just here uh, to apologize. He goes, for what? I said, you know, we sh your house and your yard l looks, uh, looks like you got some problems. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to say that mean, but it looks like you've fallen behind a little bit. And we should have been over here helping you. I, I just want to apologize that, and I want to also apologize for all of our students and staff. We're a bunch of selfish people, and we've just been driving by you the whole time, and this is awful, and I'm just here to offer an apology. And he goes, this is the oddest thing I've ever had. <laughs> and, then I said, and then I said to him, I, I said, well, you know, if there's any way we could make it up to you, if we could help you, it would, it would actually help us. It would help me. It would help my students because we're selfish, inward-focusing, Laodiceans. He goes, what's a Laodicean? I said, never mind. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I said, could you please help us? And he goes, you mean you want me to say you can clean up all the stuff and that's helping you? I said, that's exactly what I mean. And he said, sure, knock yourself out. <laughs> So we start to clean his house, and I don't know if Dr. Alan Mitchell is here. Is he here? Oh, he's in the back. He went with, remember this? He went with us as a doctor, a medical doctor, a PhD. Now, we didn't tell him this. We were all wearing these yellow shirts. You see those shirts? Do you need help? We started cleaning, and the lady started cleaning the kitchen, and, and the men started cleaning. This guy was an interesting guy. He had pieces of rockets in his, uh, in his living room. He had rocket fuel. I mean, later on, he took this, I mean, you meet interesting people if you go out and witness. In fact, this guy had a rocket, right? And I said to him, I goes, that's not really a rocket. He goes, you want me to fire it up for you? This was, a, I went back and I said, sure. He goes, here, let me give you some earphones. He hooked the rocket to a tree, a big ponderosa pine. He fired the thing up. 
it had so much thrust, it blew the trash cans down the road and the next trash cans and all the animals are going, look, friends, when you witness, it is a rocket-like experience. <laughs> so anyway, we begin cleaning in his house. This is not something like, okay, we got to know the Krebs cycle here and we got to know how everything happens. Uh, uh, no. We're cleaning and then the kitchen. And then we stayed. And then the doctor who was with us, Dr. Mitchell, he goes, oh, these guys need some shelves. I'll go buy them. So he goes and buys the shelves. He comes back and sets them up. He puts up his TV on the wall, which, you know, that was questionable. But he puts his TV up on the wall. When we get through, there's a total transformation in this guy and his wife. And I said to him, you know, thank you so much. It's been a great blessing to us. We have a great joy because we've done something that we should have been doing for years. And I want to thank you for allowing us to address our selfishness in your house. And he's like, and I said, is there anything else we could, we could serve you with today? And he looked at me, and I can't believe it. I even have a, a video clip as I show you. He said to me, he's crying. He's got tears in his eyes and his wife. And they say, yeah, there's something else. We feel like we've drifted away from each other and we need someone to marry us. Do you know anyone that can perform a wedding? I was like. <laughs> then I said, anything else? He goes, yes, you know, we, 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 we've made so many mistakes in our life and we need to be baptized. Do you know someone could baptize us? That was the first house. Who knows who's living next to you? Who knows what their needs are? I think God did that to encourage us. Another guy right down the street from me. House looks like a cyclone hit it and a, and a tsunami just before the hurricane. The place looks like, you know, oh man, it's a disaster. All of our values of our houses, this is the way I was thinking, all the values of our houses are going down every day because of this. I'm thinking that as I drive by. Drive by, it's a mile away. Now I have the ordinance of humility to go talk to this guy. So I go up to his house. I notice that there's a, a distribution of things in your property that that uh, some would say is a wreck. But I want to come here and apologize. Same thing again. We're selfish, this and that. And he was like, he goes, you know, I'm really sorry it did start. I said, I, I think it started going down about two years ago. And that's the more embarrassing thing, because when I started going down, I should have come right over. But I didn't. I want to apologize for that. He goes, well, let me tell you what happened. I, I hurt my knee, blew my knee out. I can't afford the surgery. There's no nothing. And so I couldn't get a, a knee surgery. And, and then my mother, my mother had a diagnosis of cancer, and she's been sick, and I've been taking care of her. And, and then my sister lost custody for her kids, but they granted custody to us, and all these kids moved in, and we're just overwhelmed. I said, I'm so sorry. I had a completely different picture of why this happened. Would you mind if we come and clean up your yard? What? You don't have to do that. I said, we would like to, to address our issues and yours at the same time. 
we fill up this trailer full of stuff. I wish I should have shown you a picture. We take two loads to the dump. We get to the dump. And I said, look, we all have our shirts on. You know, you need help. I get, We're doing a good thing for the, for the neighborhood. She goes, you're the fourth group that's come here today and said you did something good, and you're all wearing the same kind of shirts. What are you, some kind of yellow jackets or something? <laughs> and you're going to ask me to give you something free. I said, look, you know, it's trash. I mean, what they need to... She goes, okay, this one time. And she let us dump off the trash. Another place. Uh, I, I hope you don't mind a few stories this morning. Our team has been growing. Bill, another time we go, I, said, I go, look, I'm going to more strategically do this. I'm going to find where church members live, and I'm going to all the neighbors around their house. I'm going to learn two things. Do they know their neighbors? <laughs> and if not, they're going to get to know them. So I go to this one place. And there's this lady, I go up to this lady, very nice house, a bunch of wood there. And I go and I knock on the door. The lady comes and looks at me, startled. She goes, when did you get here? I said, just now. I've not been hanging out at your house, you know, just waiting around, you know. I'm not behind the bushes or something. I just knocked on your door just now. And so she says, uh, she goes, who told you to come? Are you with the electric company? You know, because I had that shirt on. And I said, no, but I, you know. I represent power, but I'm not, <laughs> not with the electric company. And uh, so she says, she goes, what do you want? I said, well, you know, same thing again. I just want to apologize for the Institute. We're here. Look at all this wood and everything else. It's obviously you haven't got to it. Could we stack that wood, split that wood, st- stack that wood for you? She goes, what do you mean? I said, we split it, and then we carry it. We stack it wherever you want. She goes, are you, uh, are you serious? I said, as a heart attack after a stroke. That's how serious I am. And she said, okay, you can do that. We go over there. We chop that, we split that wood. We stay there till 8 o'clock that night. And then she comes to me and she tells me something that actually broke the heart of one of the faculty that was really struggling with this activity. <laughs> And she, she wrote me a note. She says, you know, my husband is depressed. He's gone through various treatment programs. He's not been able to even live with us because of things that have happened. And my little boy said, why don't we pray? We don't pray in our home, but last week he said, why don't we pray? Why don't we try that, Mom? So we talked about a few days. And the night before you came was the first time we knelt down ever and tried to pray. And we prayed, God, would you show yourself? Would you help us if you're a God? And the next day, you came and knocked on our door. How many believe there's a lot more homes like that out there? So those are just some stories. Other people... I guess heard about this. They started to come. These are the presidents from the eight different universities. They listened to what was happening with our program. And the one thing they were interested in was not our science degrees. It was (laughs) what you're doing in the community. Amazing things have happened. Student participation, they're all involved. Students who worked with the faculty... Basically everybody, 
Number of students reporting his or her interaction with the faculty and staff was positive. Students that interacted with the faculty and staff to give a Bible study, pray with someone in the community. Here are some of the testimonies. Every time total community involvement happens, I feel like God has lessons not only for the people whom I'm reaching out to, but also myself. I trust God more than I ever have in my entire life. Why? Because they're not obsessing over studying. They're trusting God to help them learn more quickly. Can you say amen? At first, I was hesitant to go about committing a whole afternoon a week to outreach. I was afraid my schooling would suffer. There were indeed times when I did not get sufficient study time, but I learned to put my trust in God, and he did take care of it. What about saying, you know, I did really well on that test because God honored my commitment to him rather than I really studied and look what I did and here's how I did it. Um, I'm sorry. That's the wrong approach. It taught me to focus on others. The more I work I do for God, the more I see my spiritual condition and my need of Christ. It drives me to a more deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus. Meeting different people has definitely challenged me to find out what I believe at a personal level and has increased my interest in learning for myself what the Bible has to say. And seeing answers to prayer, I've seen how God really wants to bless us. Seeing how God can use an individual such as myself has been very humbling and made me feel unworthy, yet chosen to carry on with spreading the gospel. Total community involvement equipped me and has encouraged me to further un- unravel what God has in store for me. And this is just because the Institute made a commitment for time to be involved in doing what we're supposed to be doing. After doing total community involvement, it showed me how many blessings God is waiting to give me if I only let him and trust him. I've always had a very strict future, career, and life planned out for myself, but taking some time to let God use me in such a simple way has really been good for me. It taught me to keep in practice practice in putting mission work above all other priorities. Hearing the testimonies at the evening service has been very encouraging and it helped me keep focused on how God is working. I realize more and more that God wants to heal people through all that we're doing, whether that's health expos, cooking schools, yard work. After meeting one man, after hearing brief updates on him, I feel like I'm being allowed to see a glimpse into someone's future and being able to interact with them on a personal level. That's service, amen? And taking my focus off my own problems has indeed helped me gain victory over them Putting my attention on the needs of others, my own problems seem more small and conquerable. Going out and doing ministering to others not only took up literal time in our week, but also our minds and allowed me personally to not focus on my life and its concerns, but on those of others. Having less time to focus on myself allowed me to desire a closer relationship with Christ and set me in a spiritual sort of high that curbed the tendency to sin several times. How many of you need victory over sin? Service. Having total community involved makes me think about God more during the week. Since I began doing this, I noticed that things were, temptations really have decreased dramatically. Through witnessing to the people at doors, I was able to hold myself more accountable since I've been there, be there as an example. Serving taught me that my life is not about me. It's about, not about what I can do, but by God's power for others, this practice has caused me to feel the presence of God closer than ever before and has helped give me the strength and will to overcome temptation. You know, to me, when I heard those testimonies that came from our institutional research, our self-study that was involved with our accreditation, I said, this is amazing. And the accrediting team came. And as they focused on everything on our institute, one of the things that they said 
was amazing. They said, you know this total community involvement thing? The testimonies that are happening are just amazing. You know, you need to really profile this in your report. Other schools should be doing this. Sometimes we think, oh, we need to do this and that to impress other people, but maybe just doing what Jesus asked us to do is impressive enough. Is there research? Yeah, you know, there's, there's research um, that also backs this up. John Wesley Taylor, a graduate of Weimar, now Associate Education Director of the General Conference, covered this in his last visit to Weimar. Service participation showed significant positive effects on 11 outcome measures, academic performance, GPA, writing skills, values, commitment to activism, promoting racial understanding, self-efficacy, leadership, leadership activity, self-rated leadership ability, interpersonal skills, choice of service career. Wow. We're introduced to all kinds of ethnic folks, all kinds of worldviews, it is exciting to go out into the neighborhood. I was in the liquor store the other day. I visit there often now. And I went into the liquor store and I said, hi, my name's Don. I'm, I'm the pastor of your liquor store. The lady looked at me like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, there's only one church here in Weimar, and there's only one liquor store, and so we have to start working together. And I think we're all, both of us, at least the common denominator, are both representing spirits. <laughs> <laughs> and the lady just laughed. And I said, I, I believe I'm representing, at least at times, the Holy Spirit. And I noticed here in your in your store, you have um, some orange juice, of course, to make, you know, some kind of drink out of. But I said, I want to commend you for the orange juice. <laughs> and notice that you have a faucet over here. And I, I just say that, that I think we should be drunk in the spirit. And I would say the Holy Spirit. And she goes, you know, I don't go to church. I say, why not? And she told me the story of what had happened 30, 40 years ago in the church. We're developing a relationship. And I believe God's leading in that. You can't really lead if you're not involved in service. This is not service that necessarily is along your line, but it's what God wants you to do. How many of you want to be involved in service? Take heed to thyself, the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save thyself and them that Hear thee. So look at the double blessing of service. I want to show you a clip one of our um, students made of what, now I don't see, I told you what happened inside our hearts, but look at what's happening in the community itself. I'm tired of being a fake Christian. I'm tired of just going through the motions and not really practicing what I believe. We're college students. We hang out, we have fun, and we keep it pretty kosher. But at the end of the day, there's something missing. <laughs> to call ourselves Christians is not enough. We have to live like Christ. 
So one day a week, the institute as a whole, staff and students, take four hours out of their day to go do ministry. 100% dedicated to others. Even though it's only been a few weeks, it's already making a huge impact on our lives and on the campus. We decided to go help a lady who is actually a member of the Lions Club from Colfax. She works a lot with the schools and she actually needed some help herself in her yard. Unfortunately, her husband passed away and actually three people died of cancer in her life recently. She's fallen on some hard times, unable to keep up with the yard, unable to do a lot of these different things. She really doesn't have anyone to help her out, so we decided to fill that gap. Beautiful. <laughs> a lot of leaves. A lot of leaves here. You know, even though Reiki may not be the most glorious thing you can do, it's amazing how something so insignificant can make such an impact. Doing a fantastic job. I what, just... Why are you saying, why are you using the word fantastic? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't even recognize the place. I met Granny Sweet um, just as we were out doing outreach. We were giving, handing out flyers for a diabetes class, and she just started opening up and pouring out her life story. She has all of these deep questions that she's wrestling with. She's like, is God really there? And I don't know if I can believe in this God. He just has some perverse sense of humor because why would he let me go through all that I've been through? She shared with me that she was planning to move up to Oregon and take off and just try to find a better life up there. And I said, hey, well, I could bring some friends over. We'd be happy to help you out, move all your stuff and pack. And she was just like, really? Really? Would you guys do that? Good job, brother. It took all afternoon, but the whole time, she was saying how she saw in us true Christians, and she hadn't seen that before. My sisters and I are now start each conversation. Well, you know, there might be a God uh, because of the people that we've met at Weimar. I, I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, that's just the way it is. When you're on the outside looking in, wishing that you had a God, but you can't really have one because you run up against something horrific. Uh, to meet Christians that aren't horrific is something truly special. The most important work I can be doing is out there meeting people and not necessarily pouring over my nursing books. While both are important, God wants me, I think, to be on the front lines. I pray that through TCI we can truly reveal the true character of God and his love, and that that would spark the fire to see this whole world lightened with the glory of God. They're still passing their NCLEX exams at 100%. Every graduate of the nursing program has passed. They're still doing well on their MCATs, but they're also doing well on something that's more important than both of those. And that is an ongoing commitment 
to service. Remember that guy we visited the first time? I told you, he said, could you baptize us? And His wife's about ready to be baptized. She's gotten off narcotics and still struggling a little bit with smoking. But he was the first fruits from our team. And there's many others on all the teams now. They've moved from serving them to giving studies to many of them. They're telling me, we're, we've got this Bible study started. It took about a year and a half sometimes for people to even start talking about that. As we just served within the confines of what they wanted service, they naturally began asking a question, what about your deeper spiritual values? What causes you to do this? First of all, from an incredulous statement of what's wrong with you, and then to more inquisitive. Where can I get that spirit? How can I have the joy that you have? On my team, it's interesting. Some of our community members have said, I just want to go out with you. Can I go out with you? And we've had up to five community members that we serve before now working with us and serving others. And they get a great joy in doing that. And uh, now I've started saying, hey, look, let's raise some money, and I invite them to come to the Institute for lunch <laughs> as my guest. And then I gave them a tour of all the buildings. This is, I just did this three times now. And after I did that, and after I, I showed them, and they, they wanted to know, well, what about this, and what about that? And I showed them that, and then guess what? They felt comfortable coming to church then because they already visited the church when nobody was in it. And three of them came last weekend for the very first time. And uh, I just want to share with you that that's, that's kind of my testimony. I'm selfish, focused only on what I was doing, compartmentalizing life just like was in that story. But now when I walk down the street, when I walk from my house to the Institute, I know everybody on the street. I, don't even, I not only know what their house looks like on the outside, I know what it looks like on the inside. I not only know what they look like as a person, I know their family. And I know what their struggles are. And I know what to pray for. And I enjoy taking walks in my little neighborhood. Because these are not now just my neighbors. They're people who know me, and I know them, and they know my students, and we love them. You want to be involved in a life of service that's organic, not capricious, not impulsive. Remember, that true joy can be found only in unselfish service. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you today for addressing my selfishness, my pride. I need more work in that area. And maybe there's some others here today that need that same work or some listening. I'm certainly no model, and the only real model is you. And as we look at you, you didn't just take a half a day to be involved in your community. 
you did it every day. What a radical difference might come if we looked at the world like you do. Thank you for this group of committed Christians, clinicians, pastors, teachers, whoever is here. Thank you for every thing in their life that you have accomplished. But if they're like me, today we ask to be even more deeply converted. Give us an even greater desire. Give me an even greater desire to be like you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.